Hello, everyone. This is the Parks Academy, where we discuss and celebrate all things theme parks related. We focus mainly on Disney parks and resorts in both Anaheim and Orlando. My name is Paige. My name is Steven. And today we will be continuing our World Showcase series. Yeah, moving right along. Today we are we are in China. And boy, is there is there ever a lot to say about China? It's such a great pavilion, and I'm I'm really excited about everything you know that we have to talk about from the attractions and shopping and dining, entertainment. I mean, it is just it's tops. So I'm I'm actually really really looking forward to this one quite a bit. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot in China. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the more aesthetically beautiful pavilions. I think I would have to agree with that. Yeah. So joined with us today to talk about the incredible china pavilion is our friend sarah evans she is if you guys think we like disney well she probably likes disney about 10 times more than we do and she probably knows about 10 times as much as we do or 10 times more than we do about disney so sarah evans thank you so much for joining us and we are excited to have you thanks i'm excited to be able to chat about china and epcot awesome so i'm going to kick it off with a question I've been asking each of our guests. And that question is, do you remember your first trip to World Showcase? I do not. So I remember via home video and that's about it. So I was four and I had just turned four. Me, I was maybe like four and three months when we went. So I do not remember my first visit. Everything I remember is through home video. Yep. We've had, I feel like a lot of our guests went before the age of 10. <laughs> and so we've had a lot of them that have said, I don't really remember. Or a couple of them were like, I was one month old or I was like less than a year old. So that's how many Disney super fan friends we have. <laughs> yeah, I I have videos of me standing in at one of the um, like the flower garden things mm-hmm. that they have in the entrance of Epcot. And back when I went for the first time, it wasn't Epcot, it was in center. And I could not say my R's for the life of me. And it was, and I was, it was Epcot set. It was like Epcot center. Like that's how I had to say it. And I was so excited about the big golf ball. I called it the big golf ball. Yes. Yeah. But I, yeah, I've loved Epcot since I was very little, but it was very different back then than what it is now. For sure. For sure. We talked a little bit about that in some of our other episodes in this series about how it is definitely always kind of been more of an adult park. Yeah. But it has evolved so much, even in the last 10 years, but especially since it started. I I can't really speak to this with as much authority as I would like because I first went to Epcot in 2017. But I can't imagine that the World Showcase pavilions have changed all that much. I mean, Obviously, some of the rides and more IP brought in, but for China, I can't imagine it's really changed all that much since the 80s. No, not. No. Not Do you reckon? At all. No, I don't think so. I think it's been, I mean, just the things you would think would change, the like the special things that they have inside the pavilion and like right, the restaurant right. in general, but no, not really. I feel like World Showcase has kind of been the same since it's almost like a time capsule sort of and yeah. it doesn't because of the way that it like world showcase as a whole features you know each different country it doesn't it, it kind of features like timeless things about each country 
So it's not going to update with all the brand new stuff you might see, you know? So for instance, in China, Hong Kong is like an ever evolving city. It really takes after the West and its architecture and skyscraper style, but they're not going to, you know, play with, with that aspect of China. They're going to more focus on a lot of the traditional kind of architecture and, you know, artwork and cuisine and things like that. So that's one of the things I really love about World Showcase that I don't think we've ever talked about that aspect of it before, of how it really is frozen in time to an extent, but that time could be, I mean, that that time is just like one specific part of culture for a country and it remains accurate and it remains relatable to people, whether it's in the 1980s or the 2020s, you know? Yeah, that's great. I've never thought of it that way either. Yeah. Sarah, one more question for you before we dive into the history of the pavilion. And that is, do you have any specific memories from the China Pavilion? Uh, So I think I have two. So I think it was the first time that I saw the Terracotta Warriors. I was like completely Mm -hmm. amazed by that. They're not there anymore, which is really sad, but I absolutely loved them. And then one time I was waiting to see Reflections of China and they had a musician come out and play a Chinese guitar. I don't remember what the name was. And it was like, there's very few people in the area meeting there. And it was just, it echoed in that area and it just sound was beautiful. It was absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. So those are probably some of my favorite memories. That was more so as I, as I was older. As a kid, I remember doing the fan with my name in the Chinese letters. Cute. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Pippa's is the name of those guitars and they're like so beautiful. They have that yeah. kind of high tenor range to them. Mm-hmm a very, very distinct sound that like immediately connects you with Chinese culture just because no one else is really, yeah, no one else plays music like that except for that country. It's incredible. Yeah, I that's really I also like cool. that, Sarah, your memories that are tied with the China Pavilion are very specific to like an immersive Chinese experience. Yeah. Which is really cool because some of the yeah. people's answers have been, you know, oh, I remember when I went to this restaurant and I loved the restaurant or this Disney magic that happened, which even some of our favorite moments have been some of those things. But I think it's really telling of yeah. the immersive nature of these pavilions that we've consistently talked about. That two things of the three things you mentioned that stand out to you are like I had this authentic Chinese experience mm-hmm. and here here's what that was. So I think that's yeah. awesome. You mentioned seeing the Terracotta Warriors there and i was actually going to mention them because i was going to mention them because they are kind of a a defunct thing that's no longer in epcot unfortunately and they were you know they were one-third scale replicas of the real army which contained 197 you know beautiful um, sculptures made out of terracotta of course since the name i never saw it either of course but the actual i don't know how many of them were there, but in 2011, in in Santa Ana, California, the, the actual terracotta warriors were on display. I think it was part of a thing with USC or something. I'm not my memory's a little foggy on it, but I was a I was doing something. I was in college, and something else was going on. And my sister, my mom, and my dad, and I think my brother all drove down to Southern California to see them. And I passed, and I really regret that I did that because that would have been like. A super cool life-changing experience and i don't think i'll ever see them ever again so 
that's like bad on me for sure. See, you missed out. I know. Yeah. It's it's like a it's it's a slight regret that I have for sure. <laughs> yeah, they were it was just really neat to be able to go in it. And I remember it wasn't there. I remember that wasn't an exhibit that wasn't there in China all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when I went the first time. And I think my parents, my parents are huge Disney nuts too. Like it, it runs in the family. I remember my parents had gone on a trip, just them two, and they had seen it first and then literally took it back the next year. My brother and I back the next year. So we could go and like they were, we had to go into the China Pavilion to go and see this because they yeah. thought that it was so amazing. That's awesome. It, it's one of those pavilions for me where I do feel the need to visit it every time we go. There's some pavilions that I have a little bit more of like a, I could I could kind of just blow through it or just kind of go through the shops to say I was there and then keep moving. Um, but this is definitely one that I, I feel like it it requires uh, you to take your time a little bit and to enjoy it. Um, so a little bit about just, you know, if we can, the the history and a little bit about, you know, some of the details of the China Pavilion specifically. So. It is separated, you know, from from the main promenade by a giant archway, which is based upon the Yunhu Yuyu archway or the glowing clouds and Holy Land archway at the Summer Palace, an imperial garden and palace complex in Beijing. Frankly, it's 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 faithfulness to the to the to the actual, you know, arch itself is 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 uncanny, really. The Imagineers did such a beautiful job of creating and evoking the spirit of traditional. Chinese gardens and and this entire design of what you see when you walk into the the China Pavilion, and so obviously it's impossible to talk about it anymore without you know talking about the half scale reproduction of the Hall of Prayer for Good Harvest from the Temple of Heaven complex near Beijing. The details inside and out of this building are just absolutely stunning, and it's completely meticulous. And of course. That's the big round building that you see, you know, right there that kind of everything is, is surrounds or everything leads up to. What's interesting is that they wanted to really build a, a, a structure that was going to be worthy of what you would find in China itself. And so Disney had ended up outsourcing the project to Palmer Smith Company of Michigan. And the company also constructed the France and Japan sections as well as Horizons in the Future World. And so their imprint is really kind of all throughout Epcot that, you know, most tourists would just overlook completely and not know. So I found that to be really, really interesting. But the other thing, too, that I I absolutely love about, about China is that, you know, Disney really, like everything they do, they wanted to stress the authenticity and they also wanted to try to bring in you know the legitimacy of of the chinese gardens which if you've been to i mean i've never been to china sarah have you have you been to china before no and i know Paige hasn't been unless she's not telling me something i know you haven't been negative i have not been (laughs) so but i've been to like chinese gardens and things like that replicas and i know this is different but i've been to like you know chinatown in san francisco for instance which is one of the more famous Chinatowns in the United States. But so when you're in the pavilion, the foliage that you see has its literal and almost, well, figuratively and almost literal roots from China. So Disney imported several trees that are indigenous to China, including, you know, a Patusa tree and a Chinese scholar tree. And cast members were even able to find 
Chinese looking trees in the United States, including a century old weeping mulberry that they imported from New Jersey. So that's kind of a hike, but they brought in a something from there. We talked about the music, you know, all throughout you have this very thematic, gentle sounding music that's piped, you know, and to reinforce the serenity of the temple grounds. So everything really kind of revolves around this temple when you're when you're there. Um, and, you know, inside of the building, you have amazing acoustics to kind of amplify that sound. Um, and, and really one of the things that they want to try and um, articulate when, when guests are in the China Pavilion is that this isn't really a place that you should yell or raise your voice to any degree. It's very serene and calming. Um, and, and it kind of has this very, you know, ancient feel to it. Unlike if you're in like a German beer hall or, you know, hanging out even in the gardens in London or in the uh, UK pavilion, rather, uh, th this really has more of a, a very much of a serene kind of um, relaxing feeling to it. So numerology really also plays a huge factor. Um, the temple has nine stories and four pillars inside of it that are coinciding with 12 outside pillars. So four, nine, and 12 are all really big symbolic numbers in China that represent the seasons, the tales of the dragon, and the number of months in a year. And so Disney's able to really show you know, a lot of love and attention to the detail you know, and, and frankly, arguably one of the most relaxing pavilions in the world showcase. I mean, I could I can continue going on, and I will. But do you have any do you have any immediate thoughts about? I mean, do you agree with me that it's extremely like, serene and it has a much different feel than the other other show showcases? I think so. I we just recorded our Japan episode earlier this week, and I feel like these two because of the massive amounts of like foliage and the the serene feeling that you have when you're walking through these garden areas you don't really get that in most theme parks even in mm -hmm. disney parks um, other than you know i rave all the time about animal kingdom and sarah has different opinions about animal kingdom <laughs> i forgot i forgot she hates animal kingdom i have to say it's moved up a little bit Oh, really? Hollywood Studios is now my last, my least favorite. Wow. So. And now you have beef with Steven. Yeah. So <laughs> I love Hollywood Studios only primarily because of Galaxy's Edge. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I, after my last, this last, well, this is totally off topic, but after my last, this last trip, Hollywood Studios is probably my least favorite park. And until they do something about it, it'll continue to be my least favorite park. Yeah. That's fine. We have time. What happened? <laughs> well, oh my goodness. So, we were there with Corbeth, and it is not a park that's easy to navigate anymore because mm -hmm. of the rides that they have and all the downtime that the rides that they have have. Mm -hmm. It is almost impossible. And so with a three-year-old going from one side of the park to the other, I felt like I was like a ping pong ball bouncing back and yeah. forth. And I thought Animal Kingdom was hot. Mm-hmm. At least it gets shade with the trees. There is no shade in Hollywood Studios. It is hot. It was, yeah. and I, we went in the middle of June. Like, it's going to be yeah. hot anyway. But sure. it was, like, we all got sick because of the heat. Like, it was oh that bad. So Those are all valid points, actually. You're, you're forgiven and, for that. And I think it's got some amazing rides. Like, 100%. But with, the, with the, how little other stuff it has, I feel like we didn't even get to do... Tower of Terror or Rock and Roller Coaster. We mm. didn't even walk down Sunset Boulevard when we were there. And we spent a whole day in Hollywood Studios. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, so I feel like... It was there, just crazy. There is definitely a lot of 
big stuff to do there. And if you're not careful, you can get kind of swept away with, I've never ridden Slinky Dog's Dash before because it's always a disastrous wait. But my big thing is I will just, it was fine for me until Galaxy's Edge opened up there and I will spend all of my time in Galaxy's Edge and forget everything else. But if I wasn't already, you know, a terrible Star Wars nerd to begin with, I just recorded just a couple of days ago, a two hour podcast about uh, part four of Ahsoka with mm-hmm. our friend, the DMSW podcast. And so I'm, I'm, I'm so heavily invested in cementing myself as someone who needs to chill. We, we haven't watched Ahsoka yet. It's so good. You should, you should watch it at some point. Well, we I, also I, haven't watched Andor yet. So that's like how far behind yeah. we are when it comes to TV shows. Because- it's okay. It happens. It, it, it happens. Yeah, life gets in the way. Life we have happens. Little ones, we get it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. But you, but you can go to Disneyland, which is in general the Superior Park. Yes. And it literally has Galaxy Edge in Disneyland, and yes. it's better because it has all the meet and greets. I know they just today. This is where China. I know they. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Meet. Yeah, <laughs> they have General Harris and Dula there with Chopper. Yes. It's it's yeah. Paige is is tuning out at the moment, unfortunately. No, no, potentially. I just have no idea what you're saying. It's like yeah. a it's, different language. It's, it's the it's the green one that's got the. Paige, she was she she I, had I a issues. she had a she had a love relationship with Kanan Jarrus, and they had a son Jason together, who they found out about after he sacrificed himself for the greater good and rebels, you know, in season four. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. So yep. back to China. <laughs> <laughs> so the the main pavilion thoroughfare is Zing Fuji um, or, you know, the street of good fortune, which was really inspired by the streets of Beijing and Shanghai, kind of a blend of both of those things. And it's pretty much, you know, it really looks very lived in. And if you pay attention, especially to like the upper level balconies, you can see a lot of these little details of how people may be living in those little, little homes or buildings, which is really cool. You know, I mean, it really is a very idealized pavilion, kind of akin to what you would see in like New Orleans Square. There's a lot of instances of the architecture in Shanghai, the city's rapid development in the last, you know, three, four decades has really resulted in kind of clashing styles with only brief flashes of traditional architecture like this. And so, you know, there were some preserved residential areas that, you know, could be missed when you're walking through the China Pavilion. But if, you know, like any, like any part of Disney, if you look hard enough, you'll find things that you've never seen before, no matter how, no matter really how many times, you know, you've been there in the, in the past. Uh, one of the other aspects of the China Pavilion is that it was designed, it, it can be kind of easy to overlook, but there are artificial rock formations on the lagoon um, side of the pavilion. And the artificial mountain, Jaishan, or rock garden is an integral element of the Chinese classical gardens as they symbolize symbolize virtue, stability, and endurance. And so obviously, you know, with China, one of the things that we know is there a lot there's a lot of symbolism, you know, whether it's through storytelling or meaning or, you know, attributing a, a type of virtue or animal or lucky number or something to the year. There's so much of that. And so they've really done a masterful job of bringing that all, you know, directly into it. So during the Tang Dynasty, the rock that I mentioned, Jaishan, it was elevated to the status of an art object and the light and the rocks with the right characteristic became highly priced for gardens. So 
This trend has really continued through the present with artificial rocks used to create grottos and rows of rocks representing, you know, mountain ranges. So this really did serve. Interestingly enough, a lot of this also served as inspiration for Pandora's floating mountains from not only James Cameron, but also for Animal Kingdom as well. And then finally, just about kind of how it's all put together. There really is a ton of just design flourishes and specific works of art inside the restaurants and gift shops that really, you know, nod to the authentic Chinese works of arts and designs and, and you know, the architecture and history. I'm not really an art history historian for China, but you can definitely see the hand of, you know, the authenticity and how, how Disney's done such a great job of creating an environment that is, that makes you feel like you're transported, which really should be the goal of every single one of these. And there, there's somewhere I don't feel is transported, you know? Which, which pavilion can I dunk on real quick? Canada. Yeah, I don't no, feel... There, no, yeah. in my head. no, you have to go into the right spot in Canada. It's the issue is that nobody goes to the right spot in Canada. Mm. And everyone goes in, they go in down to a cellier and they go through the Victoria Gardens and then they go down to go see the show. They don't walk up and then go see like the, ho- the building that mimics the hotel in Quebec and then you go back mm-hmm. that way and then you're immersed. Like it's the like depend- near the waterfalls and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, I know where that is. Go, I know where that is. You, you just have, have to, to go look that for way, it. and then you're immersed. It, mm-hmm. Every pavilion, and I think China has a really good place too. Every pavilion has where you can just go and be completely immersed into yeah. the pavilion and the music and just the atmosphere. And I think China, I will agree. China and Japan are like you said this earlier are the two that I feel like have the best places to go and be immersed into the pavilion that people don't know. They just right. don't visit. This episode of the Parks Academy is brought to you by Deep Cut. Deep Cut are makers and purveyors of some of the most incredible record displays and accessories on the market today. Right now, you can check out their pre-sale of their floating record player table. It's the perfect home for your record player setup. This wall-mounted table features a clean look free of messy wires, the beauty of natural hardwood, vibration dampening design for a better sound, and the small footprint suitable for any space. Every last detail was considered in the design. Every component is best in breed. From the thick hardwood slab to the hand-welded brackets to the powder-coated metal cable management cubby, this is form meets function in the most satisfying way. It's the premium record player shelf that your system deserves. We love these guys, and we cannot say enough about how great their quality uh, stuff is. You can get 10% off your first order with DeepCut using the code TPA10 at checkout. Check out deepcut.co, and again, use that code TPA10 at checkout. Thank you so much to DeepCut for sponsoring the Parks Academy and being part of our show. We really appreciate you guys, and we cannot get enough of your stuff. And now, back to the show. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the uh, attractions that you currently see. So there's, it could be argued technically, quote unquote, that there's two attractions there. And I'm not going to do like the whole, you know, what what is the kid stop thing? I'm not going to do that. Because that's it. Yeah, that's it. Everyone. It's not, it's not like important. it's go color this picture. Yeah. So that's just go. Yeah. 
It's not an attraction, but the major attraction is Reflections of China. That is a 12-minute show hosted by Li Bai. Paige and I remember seeing it together. I think it was in 2019 was the first time we watched I, At least I saw it. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's very much, it opens up really, you know, magnificently in front of the Great Wall of China, mm-hmm. takes you through all the cities and a lot of, you know, they, they, they have meditation, you know, practices that they kind of share with you and stuff. You really get the full picture. So thoughts, comments, feelings about this, you, this good show? Do you know show? the controversy of this, of this movie? I think I heard about it, but I did someone's research research that it's kind of slipping my mind. So in like okay, so China doesn't believe in like spirit, and so and the character, the the person who's narrating the thing, is supposed to be the spirit of China, mm-hmm. and so that's a really big thing because they don't believe in spirits. So it like actually goes against Chinese culture and Chinese beliefs because of. It doesn't follow their beliefs at all. That's right. I remember hearing. So that's one of the reasons that. why they're because it's gotten more now that social media exists. It's gotten a lot more black about it. That's one of the reasons why they're changing it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this video. I think it's amazing. It's, yeah, it is, and it's it's one of those things that I remember seeing as a kid, but didn't appreciate it until I was an adult. And it's something that people miss all the time they just why do we want to go stand and watch it we have to stand and watch that video we don't want to do that but it's so good and i actually feel like all the films that are in world showcase are wonderful that deal with that pavilion like no flack on beauty and the beast sing along yeah but impressions to france is 10 times better so right and but as far as like the circle vision thing we only if i'm if i'm not mistaken we really only have Reflections of China and then and then and the uh, Canada wide. one. Yeah, Canada far and yeah, wide. Far and wide. Um, yeah. but they're both great. I I I like to stop in and, and watch them when we're when we're in there. And to me, it's kind of a shame that that Canada Far and Wide is replaced with the Apple Orchard every food and wine festival because we miss it. Well, yeah. And we don't get to go and don't get to see it. But yeah, Paige, do you you remember seeing um Reflections of China, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really and nice. my family has done this one several mm-hmm. times too. Yeah. Yeah. I like the and, 360 shows. I think they're really fun. Yeah. And engaged. I think that it's engaged. I think the background music too is really good as well. And I'm really big on, on scores. And I think the score to this is wonderful. And I think it's a great show and it's a great movie. And it's something that should not be missed. The other attraction that they have kind of laid out here, and I, I, I don't really consider this an attraction necessarily, but it's, I guess it's not entertainment. It's certainly not dining, but the House of the Whispering Willows, that it's all about Shanghai Disney. So if memory serves, it's still what it is. And they have photos, drawings, artwork of the attractions. They kind of show off the six different themed lands, two hotels, shopping, dining, entertainment, district known as Disney Town. And I really was, was extremely impressed with this area when I went in. I know that I've definitely spent a lot of time there looking at all the exhibits and stuff. And this was the first time that we ever really got a first look at what, you know, what, what Tron Legacy was, which was Tron Legacy. That's the, that's the, that's the movie. Tron light, 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 light coaster cycle run. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) But that's the first time that we ever really got to see that the Toy Story Hotel stuff. I mean, it's just great. It's, it's such cool. It's such a cool little exhibit. And I, I love 
I love going in there, especially because it's already, you know, China's already complemented by the reflections of China that gives us some history and stuff. So we don't really need to see as many, you know, almost like history, um, you know, like artifacts and stuff from in museums. But yeah, I, I love this air. I love this part of, of the pavilion. And this is one thing I mentioned actually on the Japan episode that I said they should take advantage of mm-hmm. and show people who yes. are going through Epcot more about Tokyo Disney Sea mm-hmm. or something to get them excited to want to go to one of the international parks. And so I think that's one thing that Disney does really well here that probably also benefits China and it benefits Disney, of course, is to show people who would probably not know much about or go to China otherwise. Hey, look at our cool Disney park in China that's different than the ones we have here in the U.S. Right, exactly. Um, To get people excited to see what they have to offer because they do have cool stuff that we don't have here in either Disneyland or Walt Disney World. And they're constantly adding to those international parks as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's news, I feel, every week about a new land like Zootopia or Frozen. Oh my gosh, they're doing so much out there. I know. So here's a question. If you could choose between Shanghai Disney and Hong Kong Disney, which one would you rather go to? I would do Shanghai just because Hong Kong is so small. Yeah. Yeah, because Hong Kong was the original, right? Yes. Yeah, Hong Kong was the original, and they say it's really only a half-day park. Yeah, so they really say it's, it's only a half-day, just because of where it's built and the signs that they, I guess, the space that they had. Yeah. So, I've heard... I just want to see the castle on Shane. I've heard similar sure. things about um, Disneyland Paris, that it's very, very small and a little underwhelming when you're there. But I think it's opened up a lot now that they opened this arcade there. That's true. That's totally yeah. true. Yeah, I, I think I would prefer to go to Hong Kong Disneyland because I think that the first of all, I think the castle there is absolutely incredible. They recently completely redid it. So it used to look exactly like Sleeping Beauty's castle in Disneyland, but now it's almost like a mismatch of a bunch of different princess castles, like, which I think is really it's like cool. Disney, it's that's called like Disney Princess Castle, right? Or something like that. It's called the Castle of Magical Dreams. And it's it's incredible, but I love that it's against a mountainscape. That is just so cool to me. And uh, nowhere else really has that. But I mean, yeah, they they would all be really cool. But and also, not that I care, but the Frozen World of Frozen is opening there in November, so that's where that is, and that'd be really beautiful to see as well. You know, I mean, but if I was being honest, you can only get it take it. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's I know, where I, I want to go to. About Japan. No, it's fine. I, I want to go there as well. Yeah, I, that's one I really want to go to. I keep telling Paige, yeah. I just want to walk through Woody's giant mouth I, to get to to get to Toy Story Mania. I just I want to go to that park. That's how they say it's the most beautiful Disney park mm-hmm. for all of them. I want to go. Yeah, one day, one day, everyone will will go, but yeah, and not this year, and probably not next time. I'm being honest. No. So do you guys have any thoughts about the House of the Whispering Willows besides just what I said? I know that Paige had a great point about, you know, kind of enticing other people to go. And if in nothing else, it's kind of a big commercial. But besides that, I, I just wish it would be updated. I feel like there's so many more things that they could do with it. And I feel like in some ways, I mean, Shanghai opened, what, 2018? 
So that's mm-hmm. going on to six years old. Yeah. It's been a minute. So I it it and that opened up. So the terracotta warriors closed in 2016 and that mm-hmm. opened up in 2017. Actually, it it is six years old. I just feel like it mean 2017 or early 2018. And I it, it needs to be up by it. Yeah. I, if they could start adding in some of these new lands that they're adding. Maybe. I don't because I feel like that wouldn't be too hard to change or add. Mm-mm. Would just be incorporating because they could easily add in here's our new things in Hong Kong and here's right. our new things coming to yeah. Shanghai, you know? Yeah. Just keeping people updated on the projects because I'll tell you what, you have some little kids walk through there and they see that there's a frozen castle. Oh and- yeah an Oaken's ride and all these things and they're going to be like I want to go there and not every parent is going to be able to afford that Yeah, but some of them will yeah Hmm. I decided to just take a look and see what the driving what the driving distance would be if I wanted to drive from Shanghai Disneyland to Hong Kong Disneyland and Google Maps like on the other side of each other aren't they and Hong Kong is its own entity yes so shanghai is on the on the far east side of china and then hong kong is more southeast so it's kind of like going from like buffalo new york all the way down to disney world it's but a two and a half hour flight that's a long drive actually that would yeah. be a really long drive i was looking at driving but they didn't have directions for it that's from here to to walt disney world yeah it also doesn't say walking but i feel like that would be kind of tumultuous as well you could walk it's actually only this sounds crazy. It's only 800 miles. Yeah. Little, that's like from Disney from here to in between Jacksonville and Disney World. Yeah. Right? If, if I had to, I feel like, I mean, I would like to go to China at some point. I think there's a lot of beautiful things to see there. I mean, one of my bucket list things is to see the Great Wall of China, certainly. I think that would be incredible. But I also wouldn't go without seeing at least one Disney park there. And sure. I feel like if I saw one, I'd have to see them both. Yeah, my so. my husband has been to Hong Kong Disneyland. Oh, wow. So he did a semester at sea in college. And he really literally cruised around the whole world, started in Puerto Rico, and then literally went east, went around the whole world, went through the Panama Canal, and ended in Brazil. That wow. rules. So it was, he said it was a really cool trip. And so he did the Great Wall of China. Oh my God. And, um, and then did a day at Hong Kong Disneyland. That's... He doesn't remember much from it, but I think that's because he was in college, not because he has a bad memory. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he, he went and he said he liked it. That's amazing. But that it was is only incredible. A day. I, I'm so intimidated by China because it's so big and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's almost like saying, I want to go to North America. Right. And I want to see the Grand Canyon. And while I'm there, I want to go see Niagara Falls. There. You know, it's like they're, they're not, it's, it's not Anywhere. just like going there and seeing it. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of nuts. But I also have zero, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I personally have zero concept of distance in China of so, where anything so, is. So, do you want to know an interesting fact about geography? Yes. China and the United States are about the same size. Really? That, yeah. That tra- I mean, that border, border. I think that it's because Asia is just so big 
that it's, it's it feels... because of the way the way cartographers had made our maps and uh-huh. so it is completely disproportionate interesting interesting and also so, yeah the united there, states also is, stands alone too it actually of. the united states is i looked it up because i was curious the united states is two percent larger than oh, wow China. interesting wow yeah when you zoom out on a world map you can kind of eye that it's about the same yeah from east yeah. to west well and so, i think that that's so weird that it is it's crazy to think that People think that we're all super close to each other, but it's what, 3,600 3, miles from here to California? Yeah. But something yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I could tell you actually right now. Yeah, show I, I always say roughly 3,000 miles to my in laws. So. Yeah. I have my, my parents are on my find my friends. There you go. Oh, and uh, my best friend lives in Los Angeles. Look at they that. are <laughs> my dad. My dad right now, as I speak, is 2,432 miles away from me. Yeah. Pages yeah, zero so, I mean, away from me right now. Like people just don't understand. Like people outside of the United States. Like to me, I'm like, oh, it's just a flight away. It's not that big of a deal. But like yeah. people in the United, that's why people outside the United States don't understand why we don't travel outside of the United States. Yeah, because to jump from Paris to Spain, from France to Spain to Germany to mm-hmm. Belgium I, is literally it's like taking a puddle jumper. Yep. Nothing at all. And it takes hours upon hours for us to travel, right? Where we are. Yeah. Because it's so large. And I think China, like China is just as large. And it was just that I feel like not China has more congested areas where mm-hmm. I feel like so does the United States, but the United States is more spread out. Yep. And right. China is just super congested in those big cities. And then it's right. extremely mountainous in some areas or yep. it's extremely like in northern China, you, it's complete snow. Right? Yeah, exactly. Cold because right, it's right. so close to to the pole. Yeah, it's like right up there with Mongolia and stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I feel like if I, you know, the, the the nice thing is that if I did go to China, which I would like to do at some point, the three places I'd really like to go would be Beijing, Shanghai, and Hong Kong, and they're all like right along the eastern side of it. So yeah. at least you know it's like an East Coast trip, kind of. There you go. <laughs> basically. <laughs> This episode of the Parks Academy is brought to you by Neosabers. Neosabers make incredible handcrafted lightsabers that are perfect for any Star Wars fans. Check out these pros. They have strong metal built hilts, heavy grade polycarbonate blades, technical perfection, clarity of light and sound, perfect for cosplaying, the best option for a saber collection, and they can be totally customized how you want. Check this out. Uh, Neo Sabers is different from all other sales because they focus on providing high-quality NeoPixel lightsabers that would qualify for either cosplay purposes or even light dueling. Their sabers price, uh, they say their sabers are priced low and can be guaranteed that their sabers are affordable and totally worth the purchase. You can check out their collection on their website at neosabers.com and check out their various features uh, of their NeoPixel lightsabers. Guys, I have my very own NeoPixel Saber, um, and, and Neo Sabers does it right. I have the Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker Saber, and it is incredible. If I want it to be green and kind of act like it is from the movie, I can totally do that. Or if I'm looking to kind of customize it, have it be, you know, a Sith Saber, or maybe, you know, give it a little bit of a different Jedi look with purple, blue, yellow, you name it. I can do all of that. 
My favorite thing about it, though, is that there's an app that you can use. And with that app, you can customize like how it responds to different attacks. You can set it up to where it has like force lightning, where it has a drag motion. You can you can use like all kinds of different colors to change it however you want to right within this app. Um, and then there's also customized controls within the blade itself. So you can like press the button a couple different times to um, change the color, to change the sound or the volume or whatever you want to do. I really cannot speak more highly of Neo Sabers and uh, how much we are so happy to be sponsored uh, by them and partnered with them. If you want to buy something from Neo Sabers, jump on their website and use the code TPA10 at checkout. This is going to guarantee you 10% off your purchase. And right now they are running some incredible sales. So go ahead and check out neosabers.com and get your NeoPixel NeoSabers lightsaber today. And now back to the show. Okay, so let's let's go ahead then and talk a little bit about the dining. So there are a handful of things that you can do there. You have the Nine Dragons restaurant, which is like the big, you know, number one sit-down meal experience. You have the Lotus Blossom Cafe, which is kind of more of a QSR situation. And then you have the Joy of Tea right across the the, the street there that has can you guess? Tea. It has tea. That's right. <laughs> so, I'm a really um, good guesser. I personally have not eaten at any of these spots. Um, we, we eat at Lotus Blossom. I've eaten at Lotus Blossom before because I think it's a good quick service, but I haven't yeah. eaten at Nine Dragons. Lotus Blossom looks delicious. I, I've looked up their menu. You know, I was checking things out. It looks like the perfect place just to kind of snag. I, I don't know. Just it's to Americanized like snag. Chinese food. And so right, right. it's good if you want like good Americanized Chinese food. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's other restaurants, other quick services, and just the World Showcase in general that have more authentic yeah. food from yep. their country. And I feel like in China, I can go down the street and get uh, orange chicken and rice that tastes yeah. better than the one that's in Epcot. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've, the, the thing that I, I think kind of gives the Lotus Blossom Cafe a leg up anyway is that you've got, you know, reasonable price stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can get yourself a beef noodle soup bowl for $8.49 or like a sesame chicken salad for under $7, which is great. And then their appetizers are like $3.99 to $4.99, which if you've been paying attention, Panda Express just, they just raised their prices for some locations of their pot stickers to like almost $7, Holy which God. is, I mean, Panda Express is getting crazy expensive. So... I think their prices are pretty reasonable there, and uh, it does seem like a pretty good option. You know, the the other thing is with Nine Dragons Restaurant, it's it's a really beautifully beautiful and, and charming place. There's a lot of Chinese restaurants. Like, I really am personally a big fan of like very authentic Chinese food. So, my cousin and I, when I was in late college, kind of just out of there, we would oftentimes go to. Chinese restaurants, like literally in Chinatown in San Francisco. And I would be like the only person that spoke English in there. I just kind of like guessed my way through the menu, which was a lot of fun. And I always kind of got interesting, you know, unique things to try. It, it does seem that, you know, the menus at Nine Dragons restaurants are, I mean, it, it is kind of a little bit obvious in what you might expect, you know, honey sesame chicken, Kung Pao chicken, peppery shrimp, you know, fried rice, stuff like that. But Still, I mean, you are getting a fairly, you know, fairly 
authentic cuisine, you know, that, that you could expect. So I've never eaten there, but it does look pretty good. And I think that I would be, I would certainly, certainly be open to it. Yeah, I haven't eaten there before, but I've heard it's pretty good. So I don't see why, why I wouldn't want to try it out. Yeah. The inside of it, though, looks beautiful. It makes me think I know. of a dim sum restaurant. When I went to New York, I went to Chinatown mm-hmm. in New York, I went to a dim sum restaurant. That's what it makes me think of. Yeah. So I know for a fact that I've had something from Joy of Tea before. Because I remember very specifically having the Singtao beer, right? Yeah. So I've been there. They have a lot of really good specialty cocktails. I mean, when I said tea, that was true. But they also have, you know, mango gin, gingeritas, peach schnapps and vodka, something called Tipsy Ducks in Love, which is bourbon, whiskey, coffee, black tea, cream, and chocolate syrup, which actually sounds kind of delightful. And then, of course, you have bubble milk tea, iced teas, jasmine and dragon well teas as well. They also have smoothies and soft drinks and ice creams and snacks. So, and the snacks are like chicken pockets and egg rolls and, and things like that. So a lot of really good stuff there. I mean, it's a perfect place to just kind of pop in because it is like right on the lagoon area. It's, it's outside of the gates. And it's a really cool, just a really cool little, little spot there. And the beer was super, I love like Asian beers, like sakis or, you know, whatever. It's delicious. Their berba tea is really good. I really like the berba tea there. And it's normally, you can get it iced. And so it's nice and refreshing. I've never had boba. Ah, It's weird. It's a weird feeling, weird taste, but it's good. It's milky, right? Yeah. And then, well, it's like a a tapioca pearl. Mm -hmm. You have to like tapioca. I've never really been one for tapioca. My dad used to eat tapioca pudding around the house, and it always upset me to a degree. My dad would make it sometimes. I don't know. I, I, it's not that I don't want to try boba. I just have never tried. Well, why don't we go on a boba date at some point or another? There's a boba place right by us. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Where you live, there's definitely one right by you. Yep. Yeah, I think so, but I don't. I'm not going to say too much more because I don't want to give away our opsec. <laughs> Yeah, that's a <laughs> very that's generic thing. We have the was, boba place near us. I was about to call it out, and then I was like, "No, <laughs> I wait just a ding ding minute." Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> okay, so it, unless there's anything else to talk about with dining, I think that shopping is is something that would be kind of fun to to discuss. I would say that their dining for food and wine is some of the best at food and wine. And for like generally in the pavilions in general. I actually I actually agree with you on that. There's a picture of me at Food and Wine holding a plate of really good ginger pot stickers. It's like the biggest smile on my face ever. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a very cute photo of you that I took. Mm-hmm. No, you, you killed it. I look, I look great. So shopping in the China Pavilion. So there are two main places that you would go. You have good fortune gifts that sell a variety of items, including parasols, puppets, toys, and hats. And then House of Good Fortune that sells items like housewares, tea sets, wall prints, silk robes, and porcelain goods. So, you know, a a lot of just really traditional kind of like Chinese things that you would find in in Chinese stores. I don't really know what else to say about it. It's, it's, It's cool, you know? 
it feels to me so much like walking through Chinatown in San Francisco yep. when I'm in that shop. Yeah. Which, I mean, both of those places are meant to be authentic. Yep. Like Chinatown in San Francisco is very authentic. China Pavilion is very authentic. So it makes sense to me that they're the same. I don't know if they align completely with mm -hmm. shops in China, but my only comparison is them to each other and they're the same. So, Well, so, I mean, one of the things that I, I would say certainly that it is pretty, pretty authentic to what you would experience because so a little bit of history about for instance, Chinatown in San Francisco, because that's, you know, I grew up there and I went there a lot as a kid and as a young adult. And and it really is, it's not a tourist trap. It is like literally a small community of people who like live there. And there are some people who like have grown up their whole lives in Chinatown or are older now. And that's like their home. They don't leave because there's no reason to. So, you know, on on while you're going through shops and looking at you know, little ancient Chinese souvenirs or something, you know, across the street, you may see someone with a hanging, you know, pecking duck from, from the window or whatever. And it's not a, it's not a bit, it's like literally their community and how they do things, you know? So house of good fortune, it, it reminds me very much of that. You know, you've got a detailed, you know, a lot of beautiful detailed decor inside the shop, including a very beautiful white Buddha statue that sometimes will have money collected in, in its lap really nice it's kind of tucked away into a really nice little courtyard which i really love too Paige and i got caught in the rain there one time which was a little bit of a nightmare but it, that's kind of when we went to go see reflections of china i believe is when we got caught in the rain yeah it was one of those mm, florida afternoon thunderstorms where the heavens just open and they don't really stop for like an hour and it was such a downpour we came out of reflections of china and we were like well <laughs> we don't have ponchos we don't have an umbrella we're stuck so we made our way over to where the shops were and we were soaking wet but we just spent time in that little courtyard area with the shops and mm -hmm. the little carts just kind of stayed there until the rain stopped it's so charming i mean it truly is just like so charming yeah, that is, I remember, that's one of my memories is getting the fans there. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have someone who will actually put the Chinese script on, and like, put whatever you want, and they had my name. Oh, that's and awesome. I had, like, had my name on it. And I also remember just playing with the, like, dragon puppets that they have that can walk around. It's just fun going around there and just looking at all the fun stuff. And yeah. like trying to eat the food, get some of the snacks that they sell in there. Right. It's a really neat, neat shop. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, as well as everything else that I had mentioned, they have, you, you said, yeah, Chinese fans, of course, they have that. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, it's actually one of the largest shops in all of World Showcase, which is interesting because Japan, you know, has all those shops that kind of connect. But I think this is considered like one big shop. It's not, you know, a lot of connected spots. You're going to go ahead and find yourself a lot of good fortune cats, of course, with the little batting paws. And then they have a entire section completely dedicated to panda merchandise and souvenirs. And that's just good for everybody. That's just good business. <laughs> good fortune gifts is kind of more of a quick pop in area. They have a lot of puppets and like hats and fans and umbrellas and things like that. It, it's 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 kind of like if you're at a baseball stadium. 
and you have the one dugout store. And then when you're like walking through the areas to get to your seats, you have like little stores on the side that you can grab things on. Someone will pull a shirt down for you. That's that's basically what good fortune gifts is, right. more or less. <laughs> good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as entertainment is concerned, they have the Dragon Legend Acrobats, which is a team of young acrobats who perform feats in the outdoor courtyard. These guys rule. They are extremely talented and extremely good at what they do. A lot of fun to see if you can catch them. They're really talented. Yeah, extre- I mean, way more talented Extremely. than I'll ever be. Yeah. They do a lot of things with hula hoops, not hula hoops, but, you know, big hoops and 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 yeah. extraordinarily, unnecessarily elevated unicycles. A lot of balancing, a lot of, you know, just contorting and spinning plates and things. It is, it's really is a sight to behold. And if ever I get a moment to see them, I, I definitely will stop and watch because it's it's very, acrobatics to me is so incredible and interesting and yeah i just i'm a huge fan of that that kind of thing i think it's really neat to see you know when i'm able to do so it always makes me nervous when i watch acrobats so i'm like afraid that somebody's gonna fall or somebody's not gonna catch somebody i know that this is their job and they're professionals but i just i'm always sitting there what if somebody messes up and i have to see them fall and break a bone (laughs) one thing i wanted to mention Really quickly, if I if I could just briefly go back for a second to the shops in the courtyard by this, at the end of the street of Good Fortune by the by the giant shop, they have the Vine Zongbell, I think is how you may say it, and that's the giant you know instrument. And if you're walking down the courtyard and it's kind of to your 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 left, tucked away in the corner there, and display, mm-hmm. um, it's an instrument that was played during rituals and ceremonies and and, and dates back to two thousand to thirty five hundred years ago. Um, so really cool that they have that there. And, um, you know, I mean, I think, I think before we, we get too much into, um, some of the, some of our, our thoughts and feelings about takeaway and add and stuff, I just wanted to kind of call it a couple other things that I found really interesting if I, if I may. So one thing that I really think is cool is that if you look up on the, on the roof of the Nine Dragon Dragons restaurant, there is a, a figure of a man on a bird sitting on the roof, and it's a common effigy on buildings in the Forbidden City. And and the man's name is Prince Men, a cruel ancient who um, was killed by his people. And the bird he is sitting on is a chicken, which can't fly away from the rest of the animals attacking him. And so this was just a warning, uh, essentially, to leaders to be kind and just, or else you'll turn into a man that's revolted upon or a chicken who gets slaughtered. So that's fun. And one of the other things I found to be really fascinating too is, is through the, the Street of Good Fortune, um, Imagineers intentionally actually designed this area to be a lot narrower than other walkways because they wanted guests to kind of experience what it's like to be in a more you know, crowded condition that Chinese people have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, especially in the bigger cities where it's so much more crowded and there's so many you know, millions and millions and millions of people there, hundreds of millions of people there that you know, it's, I thought that was kind of interesting. So, yeah, the, the final thing that I wanted to say about it is leading up to the Hall of Prayer of Good Harvest, the big circular building, there's a beautiful marble uh, marble piece that goes up the stairs and you'll kind of walk by it. And it's something you can really easily overlook. But if you notice, there's a dragon on it that has five claws that indicates that the temple was used by an emperor. It was actually a replica of what you would see in Beijing, right? So, you know, if you, there, there's pictures of, of Beijing with a lot of these kind of marble slabs going up or marble, marble reliefs as you may call them. And so it was really interesting to see that the dragon represented the emperor. 
And then also on the hall as well, you'll see a phoenix that symbolizes peace and prosperity. And so when paired together, the the dragon and the phoenix, when paired together, they signify marriage. So it's kind of like a marriage between an emperor and then, you know, prosperity and, and peace and stuff. So wow. I love the symbolism in China. And I love that they have so much of that there at the pavilion. It's, it's incredible. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, Sarah. So at this part of our show, we have been asking our guests, is there anything in the China Pavilion that you would add or change or take away, or do you like it just the way it is? I would change. The only thing you would change would be the Shanghai exhibit. I think that's it. And would you update it like we were talking about, or would you just completely do something else, or would you make do, it a rotating exhibit? I would love, how, I love like, what they do with the American Adventure and how they like rotate like right now, like how it was like the soul of American jazz, mm-hmm. and so they have something mm-hmm. on that. And then, then before it was on like the Indigenous Americans and things like that. Like I would love if they did something on like the different. There's so many people groups in China. So I would love mm-hmm. if they did something of just about the people of China yeah. and all yeah. the different people of China and what their life is like and all of that. That'd be awesome. That's cool. They could even take like that idea and sort of rotate it through very specific sects, uh, you know, of, of China, of, of, of different areas. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, in Morocco right now, they have that bobsled or like bobsledding through the desert exhibit. And so you could take something kind of like that and talk about people, you know, who live in like the the far north and the mountains or whatever and kind of share some of their stories. And then even if it's just like once every year, you just swap it out to something different. I think that could be really impactful. Yeah. I think Disney usually tries to make their rotating art exhibits five years long. I know. Like one year would be mad. Right. This is a rotating art exhibit with long term. Art, AK, yeah. like ten years later, and we've still got the same thing going. I mean, so. I was gonna say twice a year, but I that felt too generous to our good friends over at Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I true. think that's what would it be. Mm-hmm. So you actually forgot an attraction. Oh, do tell. I don't think it's it's that can possible or agent. What is it? Oh, DuckTales. Duck yeah. Yeah. I. Actually, I I don't know if you're not talking about those or not, but that is actually how I like. Yeah. So truly explored it first. Or did you guys already talk? We did it. You know, that was actually something that I I purposely left out. Okay. It just felt a little bit inconsequential, but because every single one of them has them. And so I've just not really included them. But but I do know what you're talking about. You know, I mean, it's a, it's basically, you know, it's a game. It's just, it's it's a fun. It's like a little fun game, but it's a good way to explore the pavilion. Mm-hmm. And so, and I also think it's a good way because I feel like they teach a little bit about each country's culture. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I yeah, think they are really nice. And that's how you find some of the secret hidden gems in the pavilions of like places to sit and relax right. and people makes- watch. Yeah, yeah, no, that's had, cool like, for sure. Possible. Yeah, and that was for a while. Impossible, and then the platypus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now it's Scrooge McDuck for whatever reason. So we know too that as far as IP is concerned, they have Mulan is there. You can meet Mulan, and I think that's great. I don't have any problems with that. 
the only other Disney IP that I can really think of is twofold. Either it's Turning Red, which is kind of more of, it is Chinese heritage, but then you're kind of fumbling around with Toronto. Because for whatever reason, Toronto played, like Toronto was a character in that film. I don't know. It just, it was like so obviously a Canadian film. It was interesting. Um, And and then, um, of course, uh, Pixar's short uh, bow that was really cute. Um, about a mother not wanting to uh, have her child grow up and leave the house. Um, the other thing I noticed that when I was looking up, because I, I just tried to do a super basic, you know, Disney films in China Google search, and Disney High, High School Musical China came up. And it's a 2010 Chinese version of High School Musical with a girl named Ning Ning. She's a new student at her school, and she. <laughs> finds her passion for singing from a relationship with a boy in her class. And so it sounds just like High School Musical. So I guess that they could, you know, uh, they, they, they could add that in, I suppose. I'll do you one better. Okay, hit me. Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior. I don't, I don't, yes. I don't know what that is. I know that it's a it's Disney a Channel thing, but I don't know Brenda what it is. Song. Brenda Song. Brenda Song. Yeah. Back in oh, the yeah. Zach and Cody days. My dad used to yeah. call her Brenda Wu because he could remember he could never remember her last name, and he knew that she was Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior. So he would always call her Brenda Wu. Yeah, and that's just what I think of every time I think about Brenda Song, Wendy Wu, Homecoming is, Warrior. Do we know about Raya? Is Raya Chinese? Because it mm-hmm. has the big all of the dragons, which is a huge part of Chinese culture. Have so like her... Raya and the Last Dragon, As, and then, or is it just generally just Southeast Asia? Yeah, it's just Southeast Asia, Asia. Yeah. But I mean, it's pull- so it's pulling from cultures like Singapore, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. So they, could, I mean, in, in in all reality, they could actually. I think that they certainly could. The other thing is, there's that new Disney Plus show that just came out this year. American-born Chinese. Yes, yes. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. I don't know. I don't know if the characters are like kids would recognize them. I don't. I have no idea. I know it's not an animated show. Yeah, I don't um, know anything about. I do know that it, it it took from a comic book. Okay. Um, but but I don't know. It's like an old. It's like a kind of a critically acclaimed comic book that that was out for a while. Um, but I don't really know. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't really, I haven't watched it. I don't know too much about it. Unfortunately, I just know that my girl, Michelle Yeoh's in it and she's yes, in everything awesome. now. She's just, I give her another, give her another uh, Oscar. So I have two things I would add to the pavilion. Cause I do think that it's great the way it is. One, definitely what a Wendy Wu meet and greet. <laughs> okay. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> and my serious one is I would like a lunar new year celebration that they put as much effort into as they do for DCA. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Because DCA is all about it, to, right? Yes. When we went yeah. to DCA in mm-hmm. 2020, this was like, I mean, weeks before COVID. Mm-hmm. Literally. So end of January, beginning of February, you have the Lunar New Year celebration. And it was beautiful. DCA had a gorgeous show where Minnie and Mickey were in traditional garb mm-hmm. and there were dancers there were there was music and singing 
there was a wall where you were writing like mm-hmm. your intentions for the new year on these little red sheets of paper. They had special pins and merch. There was a special meet and greet with Mulan. And Mushu was there? Yes. We got our we waited in too long of a line for that meet and greet, but it was yeah. fun. But it was so well done. And it was just such a small section of the park that they could realistically do this in the China Pavilion for two weeks. Five a years. Year. Yeah. Like if DCA can do it, why can they not just replicate it in the China Pavilion? Yeah. Because that is such a huge part of Chinese culture mm-hmm. that I think that it's really exciting to so be able to have they just that. Do like a, I think they just do a photo op for the winter. Yeah. yeah. It's so like, I, here, hold this thing for your photos class picture yeah. type of thing. Right. Yeah. If I may, I there, there there is a slight reason, I, I, if I had to guess, why they wouldn't do that. And a lot of it is because of the intention behind World Showcase is that every country is equal and, you know, is, is supposed to be unified. And so because they have, you know, in the middle of the, glo- the lagoon, whether it's was Illumination at the time or Epcot Forever, Harmonious, whatever, the, the, the message is about, you know, everyone coming together. And so another thing that you'll notice, too, in World Showcase is the parallel pavilions kind of have to match each other to some degree for like sure. continuity and and you know aesthetics and so i think that if they did that it would kind of take away a little bit from you know how um it, it would make that country stand out a lot more than the others and i think that that's something that they're trying to actively avoid and i don't think it was ever the intention of the pavilion that being said however you know they could take away the acrobats and do something else during that period of time right. or do something that was a little bit more toned down because lunar new year at dca is like over the top it's incredible but it was um, only that one small area. That's what yeah, I'm saying. That's true. If you just did it behind the gate mm-hmm. in the China Pavilion in sort of that central courtyard area, mm-hmm. and then maybe just have a meet and greet tucked somewhere. Yeah. And but I think the DCA celebration is what? I think it's two weeks. I don't remember. 15 it's, days. Yeah, something, something like that. The length of the Lunar New Year celebration. So I think for two weeks to not make a big fuss and to do about it in World Showcase, but for people walking through the China Pavilion to be able to experience the Lunar New Year celebration, yeah. I think the way that they do Christmas, where some pavilions have like special celebration things, some of them have like their traditions. I think this would be appropriate to add because what is it like Norway that does the big Christmas celebration? Yeah, they all do, don't they? They, well, all they, have, all, they all have their representation of what they celebrate for Christmas. Every like single one of them. Yeah, because Italy has La Bavina. France has Pierre Noel. Okay. UK has Father Christmas. They all have their own, like, how they celebrate. And I... I'm wondering what China does for Christmas. Or, so it's the festival of the holidays. Mm-hmm. So, it's one of the they do all have their own. Cool. I, as far as I know. So they don't decorate much for christmas because only one percent of china is christian mm-hmm. so it's not a traditional that holiday. was literally something i was thinking about right 
Yeah, so I just wonder if if they don't make as big of a deal about Christmas in the China Pavilion and then, you know, two weeks, three weeks later, mm-hmm. they just have this little Lunar New Year celebration. Yeah, I think Lunar New Year is extraordinarily appropriate and I, I feel like that'd be a really good add-in. Um, any, my, I, I, my thing with that, though, is... I mean, maybe this is me, but DCA and and Disneyland is so much more of a local. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they have things to draw the locals in. And then Walt Disney World, I mean, it's, it's still a locals park. There's still tons of locals there, but it's more for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that makes that so difficult. And then all I think about is just social media. All of the Disney influencers. Can you yeah. imagine? Give me a break. In that small little pavilion. Yeah. How? Once 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 again, our podcast proves that Disney influencers ruin everything. <laughs> we talk about like, this too often. I, I don't care. I'll say it. it. I will say it loud and proud. I do not it's care. My, I'm 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 gonna okay, look. Go for it. Hit us. I love Nate Page and Mr. Mara. I love him. I oh, watch him all I the time. I thought you were talking about your husband for a minute. No, I do. I love him. <laughs> but we also like, love Mr. Marl. Yeah, okay. We no, I, I love Mr. Marl like, fans. Love the guy. We're It's to the point now where we watch stuff and Corbeth goes, is that Mom or is that Nate? So <laughs> it's yeah. bad. So it drives me crazy when you see them eat food and mm-hmm. they buy every single food at yep. every single pavilion and you know they only eat one bite right away. Yep. Yeah, it's, well, can it's, you imagine like doing something like the Lunar New Year if it only mm-hmm. be a weekend or yeah. two weeks? How impossible it would be to navigate. Yeah, it, it's too much. It's yeah, it, it would be too much. Um, I don't know. What about rides? Like ride ideas for you know for for China? Like maybe a Great Wall roller coaster or something. I don't feel like China needs a ride. Yeah. Well, because no. Reflections of China really covers that base. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that was just a, that was a very failed thought I had. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, and I also just don't know what they would use. Yeah. It would, right. If it would be anything, it would have to be like a, just a dark ride. And it would yeah. be like them going through like the story, like maybe like an ancient Chinese folk tale or something mm-hmm. like that. Like that yeah. would really all it could be. But that's kind awesome. of, again, like, Reflections of China already is sort of doing that in a sense, you know? I mean, it doesn't need, like, animatronics. It doesn't need, I don't know. But, yeah, either way, I mean, I think that, I think it's a really great pavilion. I, I'm, I'm extremely, I, I really like going there. I'll say that. I love going there. So, yep. one, of, one of the best. I think that what we're going to have to do, Paige, at the end of this whole ding-dang thing is we're going to have to rate, rank all of our favorites from top to bottom for yep. pavilions. We're going to have to, do that i know because every episode we start out either saying this pavilion's mm-hmm. great and then at the end we're like that pavilion wasn't as great as we yeah, thought right or this pavilion is not our favorite and then by the mm-hmm. end we're like that pavilion actually has everything it could possibly exactly be. right <laughs> right yeah. we're like convincing ourselves yeah before we kind of carry on do you guys have any other like final or closing thoughts about about the china pavilion no no okay well before we close things out sarah i have to ask you a really really important question i didn't prep you on this so just be ready 
if you have Disney Plus, who is your current avatar on there? That's hard hitting. I We've know. had a couple other guests that have had to check. <laughs> uh, it's so we share Disney Plus with my parents. So Heck yeah, let's go. Our family is just our family, and so I think it's goofy. Great. That's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with a little goofy in your life. That's cool. I just had to know. Okay, you have well, to ask awesome. when is there my Disney experience icon? Okay, we literally. I was on <laughs> with our friend. Dan Becker from the uh, he's Disney. the Distory Dan or Disney Dan or whatever he's incredible. Yeah. I don't, have you seen his videos? Mm, probably. They I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna get you onto this guy. He's in, he's so 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 funny and so such okay. a joy. But he literally flipped the script on me and was like, "Okay, big guy, who's your my experience character?" So then, yeah, who is your Disney my experience character? I think it's Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think it's let's see. I'm Goofy. My husband is Pluto. And Corbeth is Olaf. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. Well, it's been a really fun time having you on here. Is there anything that you need want to say or promote or talk about before we close up shop here? No, that's not that I can think of. Okay. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm not an influencer. I'm sorry. Having people come to your channel. Oh my gosh. I really don't want you to come to my channel. You just see pictures of my daughter. So they think. Oh, you have a nice daughter, but we don't need everyone. I mean, not that she's not adorable. Creeping around. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Um, We appreciate your, uh, your support and your, all your nice messages and, and kind words and everything as we continue through this. It's been such a fun time doing this this series and we have a couple really we're, we're, we're starting to wrap it up so we got a couple more to go and, and our, our final guests are just such a such a treat as well so you're not going to miss any of those thank you so much to our sponsors neo sabers and deep cut you can get 10 percent off your first order with both of those guys we're using the code tpa10 at checkout also if you would wouldn't mind hitting us with a nice review and rating on apple podcast it goes a long way and we appreciate it and let's be honest Paige and i are just vain and want to see what you guys have to say so um that would be awesome of you we will see you next week for page where we're gonna be next week what's next to what's next to china where are we going next week norway we will be in norway next week and that one's going to be a very 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 fun one as well so until then we will catch you guys next time Bye.